You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. As we approach Thanksgiving, I am so thankful to see the care that you're giving one another during these trying times. Literally, it's as if we're just watching you, the church, be the church. People are loving and caring for others in their circles. Other people are advancing in discipleship. And others are sharing their faith with people like never before. We are so grateful for your faithful giving. Listen, we have not had to lay off staff. We have not had to shortchange our missionaries abroad or our ministries locally. And that's because of you. It's because of your generosity. We are so thankful for your encouragement that you send to us. Some of you are writing notes or letters to our staff We're so thankful for our church leadership who has unapologetically maintained our commitment to gather as a united church online every week. And in doing so, we haven't ridden the roller coaster locally here in California of, are we meeting this week or not? Are we on again? Are we off again? You know, are we indoor? Are we outdoor? What about the rain or the heat or the smoke or pandemic restrictions? And most of all, I want to say thank you to the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for strengthening your church through the limitations that we didn't know we'd be facing this year. Thank you, Jesus, for people getting saved. Thank you, Jesus, for lives continuing to be transformed deeply. Even last week, a young mom asked online in the chat, how can I be saved? And that she would like her daughter to experience God's blessings too. Isn't that great news? Be encouraged and be thankful. And most importantly, be the church. We are in Acts chapter 25 in our series through the book of Acts. This passage will give us insight about how to talk about Jesus around non-believers. Because a lot of you, you're gonna in the next week or so celebrate holidays with other people. You might discreetly go to parties. You might spend time with relatives or have conversations at work or online with others. You're going to walk into settings where you have the opportunity to talk about Jesus. And some of you are going to do very, very well at that, leading conversations and people to Jesus. And yet, sadly, others of you will have conversations and only lead people to politics. See, God's desire is that you help lead people to Jesus based on how you talk, on what you say and how you carry yourself because a lost world is watching and it matters. Listen, when we get upset, when you and I, when we get angry, people don't get saved. They just don't. Some of you have an unsafe spouse or a child. Some of your best friends don't know Jesus. Some of your coworkers don't know Jesus. And some of you don't know Jesus and you're curious about him. And my prayer is that even today you will understand that Jesus exemplifies God's love for you. And knowing Jesus is the only way to experience that love. So what's happening in Acts chapter 25, the apostle Paul is in a courtroom where religious people, and by the way, when I say religious people, for some of you, That would be like your religious relatives who don't actually care about lost people. They just care about their brand of religion. These type of people, religious people, are bringing charges against Paul in front of Governor Festus. This is the only lost guy in the room. And he is more confused at the end of this time than he was at the beginning. 
And so Acts chapter 25 records Paul's trial before Governor Festus. You say, well, who is Festus? Well, he is the new incoming governor following the previous governor, Felix. Now we can relate, right? When one leader is out and a new leader is taking office, that's what's happened here. Governor Felix has been recalled to Rome to talk with the emperor Nero. Now you have to understand something about Nero. Nero blamed Christians, he hated Christians. He was savage, even with his own people. He invented putting Christian people on a pole and setting them on fire to light the streets in Rome. He popularized feeding Christians to lions in the Colosseum. And he was ruthless with his governors who were not keeping the conquered foreign areas suppressed. So Felix gets recalled. He has to go have a conversation with Nero and that's why we never ever hear from him again in his life. Well, Felix has left an unsolved case on Festus's new term as governor. And Festus is unsure what to do with it as he begins to take office. And here's why you need today's sermon. My prayer, our prayer, is that we would pray for ourselves that Holy Spirit help us to help people get to know Jesus. Maybe that's your prayer right now, just even at a moment where we started a sermon, but would you take a holy moment and would you pray even right now to say, Holy Spirit, help us help people get to know Jesus. In Acts chapter 25, beginning with verse one, it says this, three days after arriving in the province, Festus went up from Caesarea to Jerusalem. And let me just describe that for you for a minute. So, the governmental leaders liked the beach, that's Caesarea. Jerusalem was in the mountains. Jerusalem was a holy city. Religious people liked Jerusalem, but politicians liked the beach. And it says that he went from Caesarea to Jerusalem where the chief priests and their Jewish leaders appeared before him and presented charges against Paul. They requested Festus as a favor to them to have Paul transferred to Jerusalem for they were preparing an ambush to kill him along the way. And Festus answered, Paul is being held at Caesarea and I myself am going there soon. Let some of your leaders come with me and if the man has done anything wrong, they can press charges against him there. Well, listen, these religious leaders, they tried to ambush Paul under the previous governor, Felix, two years ago. Thankfully, God intervened and it failed. So now Paul has been in prison for two years partly for his own protection, partly to appease these Jews, but obviously these enemies aren't appeased at all. They still try to kill Paul now under a new governor, Festus. So what happens? They bring their charges against Paul, but they cannot prove any of them, the Bible tells us. In fact, look at Acts 25, beginning with verse eight. It says this, then Paul made his defense. I've done nothing wrong against the Jewish law or against the temple or against Caesar. And Festus, wishing to do the Jews a favor, said to Paul, are you willing to go up to Jerusalem and stand trial before me there on these charges? And Paul answered, I am now standing before Caesar's court where I ought to be tried. I have not done anything wrong to the Jews as you yourself know very well. If, however, I am guilty of doing anything deserving death, I don't refuse to die. But if the charges brought against me by these Jews are not true, no one has the right to hand me over to them. I appeal to Caesar. 
And after Festus had conferred with his council, he declared, you have appealed to Caesar, to Caesar you will go. So here's where things get really weird. There's obviously a political tension. Paul is not sure because he's been in prison where Festus stands or who his allegiances are. In fact, I get the sense in, in reading this that new to the job, Festus isn't sure where his allegiances are. He's got to confer with the council. This government position might be new for him. He's not totally sure which way to go. And he's trying to appease the Jews because he doesn't want to get recalled to Rome and have to talk to Nero like Felix did. And so there's this political tension. Paul is tired after two years of no motion in his case. And he knows his legal protections. See, a Roman citizen could not be condemned to death anywhere outside of Rome. So Paul is saying, listen, if we're gonna get on with this, you can only condemn me to death, which is the agenda of the Jews in Rome because I'm a Roman citizen. So enough of the political dance, send me to the high court. And Paul knows that the Holy Spirit has told him that he will testify before kings and the rulers of the world in Rome. So he's like, let's get this moving. Let's get things going. If you're taking notes today, write this down. Christians arguing among each other doesn't save anyone. See, when Paul returned to Jerusalem, bringing this gift from all the different churches in the Gentile regions, he returns to Jerusalem. These false accusations and rumors actually started in the church. It was gossip. And listen, it was gossip among believers. But now this gossip has spilled out of the church. It's spilled out into the streets, into the religious sector, into the courts of law. And now it's confusing people who are lost and dying and going to hell. This is tragic. Now, you know, and I know that you all have religious friends who know that you go to Sun Grove Church. And some of them might say, if they're religious people, they might say, oh, you go there to Sun Grove Church? Hmm, why? Because we all have friends who are religious who would rather judge one church over another rather than save the lost. And that's tragic. It is confusing to the lost person. They literally are asking the question when they see Christians arguing with each other. They think, aren't you all Christians? Like, what's the deal between you all? It's why locally here in the Elk Grove area of Northern California, we started a network of pastors in churches called the Church at Elk Grove. Why? To break down human nature, to break down any competition or suspicion, to really come together as pastors and leaders of the churches to allow the church to be the church instead of being a church. We don't want to be a church, the church of Sun Grove. We want to be the church of Jesus Christ, who is the head. Why? Because for the sake of the lost, we believe Christians arguing among each other doesn't save anyone. So here's Festus, the only lost guy in the room, and he's confused about them arguing about their religious rules and regulations. So later on, he has this conversation with the northern king. This is the local northern king, Agrippa, and discusses the case. And Festus in Acts 25, 18 says this. He's, he's describing the, the situation. He says to, to Agrippa, when his accusers got up to speak, they didn't charge him with any of the crimes I had expected. 
Instead, they had some points of dispute with him about their own religion, about a dead man named Jesus who Paul claimed was alive. And he says this, he says, I was at a loss how to investigate such matters. So I asked if he would be willing to go to Jerusalem and stand trial there on these charges. But when Paul made his appeal to be held over for the emperor's decision, I ordered him to be held until I could send him to Caesar. Then Agrippa said to Festus, I would like to hear this man myself. And Festus replied, tomorrow you will hear him. If you're taking notes, write this down. Jesus is confusing to people who don't know him. He just is. See, arguing doesn't save anyone. A person who doesn't know Jesus, doesn't know the differences between denominations, doesn't know theological nuances. They don't know the Christian terms that you and I use. You and I might pray and use a term like, Lord, just put a hedge of protection around us. And a, a non-Christian is going, really? Like a hedge? That's what you're asking God for? Like, I think I'd like something more than a hedge. I mean, maybe better than a wall, maybe some angels or some defense, right? That you use a lot of Christianese, that you'll, you'll say things to each other. Wait, have you experienced a lot of fellowship? Have you had a quiet time? Have you really enjoyed your community? And have you enjoyed all of our worship? And these words don't mean a lot to people who don't know what your Christianese is speaking. So it's so important for you and I to be clear about who Jesus is when we describe him. See, religious people are too busy arguing about what translation of the Bible you use. They're arguing about the Greek. They're arguing about the ways that people ought to do church. Well, how about we translate Jesus for lost people instead of arguing about translations? Because here's Festus and he's, he's sitting around this holiday table, if you will, saying, I was at a loss. He's hearing you talk about Jesus, sing about Jesus, and hearing you argue with one another. And you can't argue someone into the faith. Now, can you reason someone into the faith? Yes. Can you witness to someone and lead them in the faith? Yes. But argue? No. You simply can't do it. Listen, if you want to shrink your circle group, if you want to kind of implode it, just get a bunch of Christians together and have everyone argue with each other in the group. Or worse, just tolerate a little gossip in your group that grows into big gossip. Like you ask, the, if you invite a non-believer and they hear you all gossiping with each other and then they ask, how did you like it? And they think to themselves, y'all are crazy. You're crazy. Well, Festus said something interesting. In Acts 25, verse 25, he said, I found, speaking of Paul, that he had done nothing deserving of death, but because he made his appeal to the emperor, I decided to send him to Rome. But I've got nothing definite to write his majesty about him. Therefore, I've brought him before all of you and especially before you, King Agrippa, so that as a result of this investigation, I might have something to write. For I think it unreasonable to send a prisoner to Rome without specifying charges against him. Uh, what is Festus doing here? He's trying to say, help me out. I'm new to the job. I don't want to get recalled. And I think I ought to have my ducks in a row if I'm going to send this guy to Rome to be tried before the, the emperor. And so he's looking for answers. And so he's asking King Agrippa, a local Jewish understanding the customs in the area, to come and hear Paul. 
And that's what he's looking for. He's saying, help me with my problem. I inherited this case. I'm trying to send this guy off and give me something clear so I know what to write. Well, we ask the question, what can you and I do to help people know Jesus? If you're taking notes today, write this down. Be clear about who Jesus is. Give people something about Jesus to be clear about. In other words, after talking with you about religious things or about Jesus, do they have something clear that literally they could write down about Jesus? Did they leave your presence with a clearer picture of who Jesus is? Or are you just arguing about some dead guy who you say came to life in their mind? Because they're not gonna understand it. So give them some clarity. Next, here's three ways to give people clarity. Love people like Jesus loved those who disagreed with him. So what happens? You go to a holiday party, you're talking to other people, relatives, and and what you and I need to do is love them for being a creation of God. They might be messy in their sin. They might be confused spiritually, but that's what actually being lost is. Do you realize that everything is pagan apart from Christ? So don't try to like tell everybody the right way to do things and the right way to think. Literally just love them for being a creation of God. Let them be messy in their sin because they are lost. Let them be confused spiritually because they are lost, but we're gonna help lead that confusion toward clarity is. That's simply what being lost is. What do you and I need to do? Love them regardless. And in order to love them regardless, you're gonna need to practice self-control about dividing or distracting topics. So what happens? You're gonna go spend time with other people and one of the things you have to do as a believer is you have to give up your right to be right. Oh, and if you are an Enneagram one, that just drives you nuts because somewhere along the line, you have to tell them what the right thing is. You almost like can't wait for them to stop talking before you got to tell them the truth and tell them the right thing. And they still may not understand what you're talking about. You're going to have to give up your right to be right. And what I want you to do is this. When you listen to someone who disagrees on the other end of the spectrum from you, hear the hurt behind their activism when they're upset about something, when they're frustrated, whether it's politics or it's just what's going on in the world, hear the hurt behind their activism. In other words, ask, what is the hurt that this other person, what are you trying to fix? What are you trying to resolve? And let me hear the hurt for what it is. And the third way to help a person have clarity about Jesus is be generous like Jesus has been with you. One of the first things you're gonna do is give the gift of listening. They just zip it, listen to them, ask open-ended questions, not just yes and no questions. And the next thing you wanna do is be generous like Jesus has been with us. He's forgiven us of all of our sin. He's given himself freely of us. He didn't just simply sit there in judgment on our sin, but he loved us right where we are. And we want other people across the world to hear the good news about Jesus and to hear it clearly from the scriptures as they speak for themselves. So give generously to the gospel efforts of your church. Like even in an uncertain time, feel free, give yourself permission in uncertain times to be generous to other people, to be generous to your church for the sake of the gospel. Listen, stop hoarding toilet paper again. Some of you are doing that again. 
Why? Because your, your area changed from one set of regulations to another. And you go into Walmart and they got no more teepee. So instead of hoarding teepee again, show up with a gift. Bring flowers. Bring, bring a gift. Bring some, some goodies for people to eat. But something that when you go and spend time with other people, there's a great principle for Christians. And it's this statement. Wise men still bring gifts. Still bring gifts. That when you meet with somebody and you want to be able to pave the way for gospel, generosity does that in almost no other way. Why? Because it's when you and I understand the generosity of a loving God to give himself up for us and to cancel out our sin on the cross by his own suffering, that kind of generosity resonates to the human soul. So when you show up with a gift, you're just paving the road for a loving and a caring conversation. Wise men and women still bring gifts. That paves the way for you to be clear about who Jesus is. And if, we're, if you want to be especially clear about who Jesus is, and we have to look at the words of Jesus, in John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's who Jesus is. There's a reason that only Jesus has died for your sin or for my sin. There's only the reason that Jesus is the God-man, God become flesh, who came down from heaven. He was born of woman and he was born of God, not of woman and man. He was born of woman and God. He's the God-man, the only one that ever existed. And it's because he existed with the mission to pay for your and my sin on the cross and to cancel it out and to offer you the gift of eternal life, but you and I need to receive it. And so if that's you today, right where you are as you're watching church online, if that's you and you were saying, I, I'm ready, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. I wanna have the blessing of God in my life. I wanna have the forgiveness of my sin. I want new life through Jesus because there's no way to God the Father except through Jesus. He's the only one who is generous, to a wretch, a sinner, a lost person like me. If that's you today, then you pray something like this. You're just right where you are in your heart, you pray it. If you're alone, pray it out loud. God hears you. He understands your thoughts, your intentions of your heart. And just pray something like this after me. To say, Jesus, today, I give you me. I believe you died on the cross for my sin, that you were buried, that you rose to new life because you're God. And I ask you to come into my life and make me a new creation, that you would wash me as white as snow, that my sins would be washed away and forgiven, that the righteousness that was yours would be given to me as I transfer off all the evil about me that you took upon yourself on the cross. So today, Jesus, I'm giving you me. And if you prayed that prayer right now where you are, then you are a new creation on the inside. Your sins have been washed away. You've received the free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. You don't have to fear death. You can have joy even in uncertain times. And we wanna let you know that as a church, we love you, that we care for you, that we pray for you, and that we're available to you in this time. As you go into Thanksgiving this next week, would you be thankful to a God of generosity and a Jesus who is clear that you and I are to be his witnesses even to the ends of the earth. 
and the ends of the earth for some of you looks like where you're having Thanksgiving dinner. Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.